right now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here in the city of Portland, Oregon at the Momentum Studios. We do have a guest on here today that I will announce just shortly, but just prior to us getting to our guest here, some quick announcements. Um, I had the great fortune of going back on the show that really introduced me to this broadcast industry. The Ball Face Truth with John Canzano had a real cool interview with him yesterday on his radio show, his statewide radio show here in the market on 750 The Game. If you want to go and listen to that, just go over to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and go to the Bald Face Truth Podcast, and you'll be able to check out that interview. Obviously, got to talk about these here playoffs, which we'll talk more about. A lot of a lot of the topics we talked about on that episode, I'm sure we'll get to at some point with our guests here today as well. But again, a real cool, fun interview. Always a pleasure to be able to go on the show that I was once an intern for as a young college lad. And uh, as I told him yesterday on the show, you know, this was the show that got me hooked on broadcasting, and I've been doing it ever since. So go ahead and check that out. Plus, you know, Kanzano's known for having a pretty good show. He's really good at what he does. So always a pleasure to go there. Um, also, as I mentioned the last couple of weeks, go and find you a Street Roots vendor here in the city of Portland. Purchase this week's edition of the newspaper. We have vendors all over the city. And if you want to know where a vendor may be located, um, we do have a map on our website. Just So just head over to streetroots.org and you can. we have a list, actually, of, of different places where vendors sell. Obviously, it's not a guarantee that a vendor will be there at the exact time that you go, but you have plenty of options to be able to go out and find a vendor at plenty, plenty of locations that vendors frequent. Um, also, I will be... Back in DJ Pounce mode here pretty soon. Um, May 29th, which is a Sunday, I will be at the Bible Club out in Selwood. I'll be spinning over there, so definitely looking forward to that. Put that on your calendars. I'll have an exact time for you next week or next week's episode before we head into that Memorial weekend, but definitely excited um, to, to, to knock the dust off of my equipment and be able to get back out there and spin. And I've been practicing, so I guess the duck the ducks is knocked off a little bit. But it's been a little while since I've actually done a gig. And a lot of that due to the fact that when I'm in broadcast season, I'm not really doing any DJ gigs. So it's been cool to kind of come out of broadcast season and just take a little bit of a break, honestly. Do so many things, have so many things going on. And broadcast season is certainly like the most busiest time of my life, that time period. So um, it was really cool to be able to kind of wind down, relax a bit. Again, I've been practicing, but now getting back into gig season. So I'm excited for it. Again, I'll have a time for you all on that next week. Now we will bring on our guest friend of the show, Chris Partee of Deadspin. I'm going to let you run your victory lap today, man. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> I'm here to let you run your victory lap for, for the listeners to give you a little bit of context of what it is that we're talking about. I do a segment on here called the on wax segment at the beginning of every season. And I picked the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks aren't going to be able to repeat. They were eliminated in seven games 
by that of the Boston Celtics. Our good friend here, Chris Partee, has been riding the wave of the Miami Heat all year long, who I have not been a believer in. And obviously the Miami Heat are currently up 1-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, playing great and looking like they have a real good chance of potentially getting their asses kicked by the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. You see how I found a way to sneak my hate in there, Partee? You see how I did that? I love how you do that, though. So, Partee... Party, you're you're here. Let me have it. Obviously, we've been talking about this on this platform. We've been on your podcast, the courtside crossover, having these conversations. We've kind of had like a little podcast wars in regards to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. So the floor is yours. Take your victory lap. Have your way. Yes, finally, finally. I've been telling you, like you said, we've been going back and forth on this all season. I mean, you've been talking. I was just out there about a month ago, and we watched some games, and all you did was talk trash to me all day through two <laughs> games about how how trash the Miami Heat were and what the Bucs were going to do when they got them in the conference finals. Yeah. Well, we're in the conference finals now, and my man Jimmy Buckets and the crew, they held up their end of the bargain. I can't say as much for your boys out there in Milwaukee, but it's all good. I'm going to give you credit, though, because you went on the ball face truth truth with uh, John Canzano just yesterday. Yeah. And even though it was a little backhanded, I caught that at the end. It was a little backhanded because you still picked the Celtics, but you did (laughs) give Miami, you did finally give Miami a little credit, even though you kind of hedged it with that, you know, with that backhand. Yeah. But it was all good, though. Yeah, I did. I was just glad to finally see that you you woke up just a little bit to what the Miami Heat can do. And I mean, you got to give it to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is playing like a bona fide superstar in this postseason. You, you you can't help but give it up to him. I mean, he's literally carrying this team just like he did a couple years ago when they got to the finals against the Lakers. Different circumstances now. We're back to the regular NBA, so you can't take it from him. He's doing his thing. He's doing his thing, absolutely. And that obviously was one of my biggest criticisms of the Miami Heat was Jimmy Butler being a 21-point-per-game scorer during the regular season – He could not be that guy for the Miami Heat to succeed in the playoffs. And he's averaging 30 points per game here in the postseason, having played over double-digit amount of games thus far. So for me, that was probably the primary factor. There's other reasons why I didn't think the Heat would get it done as well to the extent that they've been able to do. But Jimmy Butler scoring 30 points per game, not being a really good three-point shooter, has been a bit of a surprise to me. And it was something that I didn't expect for him to have a a nine-point increase, essentially, eight eight to nine-point increase, essentially, in points per game from that of the regular season to that of the postseason. Again, I'll give him nothing but credit for that. And everybody should be on high alert because he is absolutely playing like a bona fide superstar right now. Now, do I still think that, uh, you know? <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> 
Do I think he's caught a little luck being able to catch rhythm to the magnitude that he's been able to? Absolutely. Obviously starting the series off against the Hawks with no Clint Capella available. And again, Jimmy Butler is a guy who scores better on the interior and he finds his rhythm on the perimeter when he's able to go in, draw fouls, put pressure on defenses, get to the free throw line, watch a few of those shots go through. And then he's a good enough player, obviously, to kind of catch rhythm from sort of that formula to ultimately start knocking down perimeter shots. First round, Clint Capella missed a good portion of that series. Jimmy was able to catch rhythm early, and obviously, once he caught rhythm, he was in the absolute zone. He's been in the absolute zone. Then you had more of the same in the second round with Embiid missing the first couple of games. Allowed Jimmy to get in the rhythm. He's been in the zone ever since. Now, to his credit, he's controlling what he can control. He can't control the fact that Embiid wasn't available early on in that series. He can't control Capella being out for a good portion of the first round. So, I always acknowledge and give credit to guys for controlling what they could control. And that is about the extent of the credit that I'll give the Miami Heat to this point. I still don't think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I still don't think they're better than the Milwaukee Bucks, especially being that Chris Middleton obviously was out during that series against the Celtics. And I think with Chris Middleton, I, I think I said it on your platform, I think the Bucks could have won that series in five to six games. It wouldn't even went to seven. And I think the Bucks pretty much could have controlled that had they had, you know, a legitimate all-star in Chris Middleton available. So credit again to the Miami Heat for controlling what they can control, but they're still not going to be champions this year. And I still hope the Boston Celtics and Ime Adoka figure something out to get them out of here and we get a Warrior Celtics finals. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, Devon, I'm going to put it to you like this. The Celtics better figure something out tonight because it looks like Horford and Smart are going to play. Now, if they come out in game two and they still can't beat the Heat, they're in trouble. They're in trouble if they get their whole team back and they still can't beat the Heat, even though the Heat are at home. And I do think the Heat are going to hold serve at home tonight. I told you this a couple days ago. I think this series goes seven anyway. I think it's going to be a long series. But one thing I want to point out about um, about Jimmy Butler in, in all of these series, go to uh, Atlanta, Philly, now um, now Boston. Yeah. It just, it just feels like he wants it more. It just it feels does. like he wants it. it that just, it does. It, feels, it just feels like he wants it more in that he is tired of being overlooked, so to speak, and doubted. I mean, you saw after they eliminated Philly, what did he say in the tunnel? Tobias Harris over me? Yeah. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. Right. It just feels like he wants it more. And sometimes when you have a good team and you only have that one star right there, if he's able to elevate and bring the team with him, that little edge right there, just wanting it more, is all you need. Now, I'll give, I, I'll give it to you. Yeah, Philly, they had uh, Dolan B without 100%. And once that happened, I knew James Harden, even if James Harden was still the old James Harden overall, James Harden don't have that kind of heart. He doesn't have that kind of want to, that hunger to just go take it. Right. Jimmy Butler has that. He's not as talented as James Harden's ever been. Yeah. But he's got that will, and it seems like he's just wanted it more. In game, It's only been game one, one game of the Easter Conference Finals, but in game one, in the second half, he just wanted it more than Boston's star in Jason Taylor. And that's to me, for me, that's what it came down to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he has certainly been in, again, he's been in the zone. He's been an absolute pit bull. And I think that's always kind of been 
a, a positive when it comes to Jimmy Butler as he's an ultra competitor. Um, I just didn't believe that a guy who's, what, 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'7", six, and can't shoot threes would be able to increase his point-per-game average by that many points from the regular season to the postseason. Now, again, obviously I gave my reasons. He is a good enough player, and we've seen him have the ability to be able to knock down shots and have big-time performances, and he's been a legitimate star in this league for a while. But a 30-point-per-game player, to me, is a superstar in this league. Somebody that can produce that night in and night out on average, essentially, that is superstar play, and I I didn't expect Jimmy with his lack of ability to be able to shoot the long ball, at least consistently, because he obviously can knock it down. But not at a high rate does he knock down the long ball. Knowing how physical the playoffs are and understanding, obviously, he thrives when it comes to physicality as well. I didn't expect his point per game average to increase that significantly. Had I believed that coming into the playoffs – I would have been with you all the way in regards to the Miami Heat and how good of a team they are. But the formulas just didn't quite match to me. And again, missing two rim protectors and significant front court players, I think, might have assisted him in that. But he could, he's controlling what he controls. And once he's been able to find his rhythm in these series, he has not let up. And again, I think that's where that will is coming into, into effect for him that you speak of. Once he found his stride... It was no letting up from being in stride, not not in a single game. Even in games where his teammates played down, he performed at the highest of levels. And I yes. got to give him credit for that. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, I mean, it really is strange to watch a player that – I mean, Jimmy's parentally been about a 20-point-per-game guy. It may go down a little bit. It may go up a little bit. Right. But to see, but to see that player – jumped from essentially 20, 21 points, you know, for most of his career up to 29, 30 in a postseason. I mean, can you think of another time that we've really seen that? That by that, by eight or nine points, a guy jumps that much and he just carried. We've seen guys carry teams, obviously, yeah. but, those, but those are usually the guys that we're used to seeing do it. Absolutely. Was that? I said absolutely. I'm agreeing with you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's usually the guys that we're used to seeing, you know, have to carry their teams. We have we don't see a guy that is, you know, usually like you said, he's a, he's been a star in the league, but not a superstar. He's made that jump. It almost makes you feel like he just kind of coasts through the season because he only played right. fifty seven games. He only played fifty seven games this year. It's not like he played eighty games in the season. He played fifty seven. Yeah. You know, he he usually suffers some little knickknack injuries here and there. So the, the only worry I have is that is if his body's going to hold up because like you said, he talked, he even talked about wanting to run into people and wanting to play physically. Well, that takes a toll on the body. So I just hope he can hold up because this series is long from over. And if they can get past this one, they're probably going to play the Warriors like both of us think. And that's not going to be an easy task at all. Absolutely. You just hope he can hold up playing the way that he plays. For sure. But, but I will say one thing, his body at least looks good right now. Obviously, there's other players in the league that, whether it's because of injury or they sat out for a significant amount of time or they just came out flat lazy from, like, an offseason into a regular season, we've seen guys out of shape, whether it be James Harden, whether it be Luka Doncic, whether it be – I mean, the the, the list of examples is is endless. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, the list of examples is endless. 
if you look at Jimmy out there, he looks like an absolute machine. Like it's oh, almost yeah. it's almost sort of Kawhi esque. Kawhi's a guy who misses a lot of games, but Kawhi, once you see him and he's available in the postseason, he looks like the work never stopped during the time that he was off the floor. And there yeah. are guys that know how to figure out a way or are determined to figure out a way to continue to work and get better and not allow injuries and not allow their lack of availability to affect or impact their performance level and just them putting in the work to ultimately go out and get better. Because obviously, in a lot of cases, and I'm not even just speaking to the NBA, just generally speaking, when guys get injured, that is a a legitimate excuse to not get better. But it still Mm -hmm. can be considered an excuse indeed. Jimmy didn't allow that to be an excuse. And it's been shown here in this postseason. And again, I got to give him credit for it because he's controlling what he can control. And I think that isn't just what he's doing and what he's producing on the floor. I think that does speak to what you talk about him missing games, but clearly the work, he didn't miss work. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like he might've been missing games. He might've been off the floor, but that work that he was putting in while he was missing those games is showing right now as he performs to this magnitude at at a superstar level, essentially here in the postseason. And I think one other thing uh, with Jimmy Butler, it, it, it seems like he's generally happy in Miami. I mean, you know, he yeah. was in Chicago. That ended up eventually not working out of Chicago. He went to Minnesota briefly, and we know what happened with um, Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. He thought they were soft. They were too young. They, they didn't play the way he thought they, you know, to be up to the level that he thought they should be. Went to Philly. Philly chose other guys over him. He loved playing with Joel Embiid, but they chose other guys over him. It seems like he's finally found like that heat culture. It just fits him. Yeah, it's, it's rough. It's rugged. It's, I mean, Pat Riley's. I'm not saying they do this now for Eric Spolster, but you know, Pat Riley's practices back in the day for the Lakers are legendary for how long they would go and how, how hard they would practice. Right. So right. it just seems like that whole culture it fits Jimmy Butler, and he seems generally happy since he's been there. Aside from you know the little spat that they had. Um, a month ago, remember that when you thought that was the end because he wanted to fight his head coach and almost yeah, got into a fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was we, looking for the end, man. Yeah, and, <laughs> well, I, I think I told you at the time this is either gonna you know shoot up to the moon or they're just gonna fall off. Well, right. they're they're on their they're working on their way getting to the moon, which would be the final. So it did them a lot of good, but it just generally seems like Jimmy is happy there. And this team play, they play hard defense. And he talks about, he's talked about that too. It starts with the defense and he tells his team, it starts with the defense. The offense will come. Don't worry about offense. Let's play defense. And then the buckets will come. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. And and he's looked like a legitimate leader doing so, which is, again, is something that he's been criticized of. And and obviously you just laid out a lot of those instances where those criticisms have been thrown his way. Um, I want to transition to the Western Conference, though. You've been a guy since the top of the year. You wrote an article back in November about the Warriors essentially heading to the position that they're currently in right now playing in a Western Conference Finals, up 1-0, and looking like they got a legitimate a legitimate chance to go out and win the championship this year. Just talk about, you know, what you think is going to take place ultimately in this series with the Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks, and 
how it is that the Warriors were able to indeed support your claim back in November in regards to being a team that's one of the final four teams remaining in the postseason and legitimately looking like they'll be one of the final two teams as well. Well, I mean, first of all, the Warriors coming into the season, I just saw the Warriors being a deep team. You know, even going back to late last season, you can see Jordan Poole. You can see him coming on and getting, you know, getting more comfortable as far as NBA basketball goes because he's still a really young guy. Right. But you can just see that there's something there. So I'm looking at the team and I'm like, okay, Steph, you know, Steph is still here. If Draymond's healthy, Draymond's going to do what he does. And then when they get Clay back, which I figured it wouldn't be till around January, and it, and it was around January. You get Clay back; he's a shooter. He never depended on explosive athleticism in the first place. So I thought, even with the you know the two horrible injuries that he suffered, I thought he'd come back and I thought he'd be okay. And he's been very good since he returned. A little up and down in certain certain patches, but it's still only really been a few months since he's been back. Looking at all those things, and I just I thought they could put it together. I looked at the West. I'm like, yeah, they got a shot. As far as this series goes, I don't think they, now, they, I'll give them credit. They came out pretty much and just erased Luka Doncic in this first game. Doncic didn't get much help by his supporting cast. That's going to be vital moving forward because here's the thing. Phoenix didn't have three legit guys that could go get 20 to 25 any night. They had Devin Booker. We all know Chris Paul, Great player, future Hall of Famer, but that's not really his thing. He can score when you need him to, but he'd rather be running the offense, setting other guys up, getting everybody involved. They had one legit guy that could really go any night and get you 25 or more points. The Warriors got three of those guys. Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Thompson, and Seth Curry. All right, they got three of those guys that can just take a game over at any point of it and, you know, and drop, you know, 15 and a quarter or whatever it takes. We saw some of that the other night, or I'm sorry, last night in game one. And I still think this series goes six games, but I don't see Jason Kidd allowing his team to just lay down and for one, get swept. I think they get, I do think they get two games, but they're going to have to figure out a way for one on defense to, to maybe hide Luca because the Warriors are going to go at him. They went at him uh, the other night and it just seemed like he was tired. You know what I mean? It seemed like he was tired towards the end of the game having to do so much. There's only so much that one guy can do, especially when you're playing a team that has the pedigree that the Warriors have. And that was the other thing, the championship pedigree. Yeah. The Warriors, they've been there, they've done that. You know, you heard all the talks. You, you know, you from the Bay just like me. You still on the West Coast. You heard all the talks about, oh, the Warriors are done. Yeah. They're not coming oh, yeah. back. Oh, They're yeah. Finished. Everybody's hurt. They, you know, Seth can't do it anymore. KD left. They won KD because left. of KD. <laughs> Even like though the only, won like KD was the only reason they ever did anything. Right. right. We, know how, <laughs> we know how that goes. But right. I'm like, okay, but look at them now. Now they're back in his crickets. It's crickets. Yeah. I don't hear, I don't hear none of that talk anymore. I don't hear any of it. So, long story short, it's just uh, that championship pedigree. They still have a future Hall of Fame head coach. They got three future Hall of Famers um, in that starting lineup. They got pretty much the only person that's not back is James Wiseman. We don't, and we, there's still, honestly, in my opinion, there's a big question mark around him. We just don't know what he's going to be. But that has not, even, even with their lack of size, it still hasn't hurt them. Because they're yeah. still going strong. They're still going strong. And and I think, you know, I picked the uh, the Heat and the Warriors in the finals, and I think the Warriors win it. And that will shut a lot of people up. 
I'll just yeah. be honest. It's going to shut a lot of people up. I it's agree. People upset too, because people are going to look at it like, oh, well, damn, now the Warriors are back. Another dynasty. Hey, that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. How it goes for sure. No, man. And I and and then you know, I obviously I give a lot of credit to Bob Myers over there as well and what he's yeah. been able to do in that general manager position. Because obviously you speak about the nucleus of Clay Stephen Dre, who's been a big three in this league, who obviously has the pedigree and has had all the success that they've had. And then he's essentially built up an entire new young core to play alongside them because you have Jordan Poole. Now, obviously, Wiggins wasn't drafted, but being able to bring Wiggins over and look at the year he's been able to have, became an all-star starter this season. As you mentioned, Luka Doncic being hitting on defense. I tell you one thing, they bet not hide him on Wiggins because we saw how that went a couple nights ago. And, and, And ultimately you know, he's expected to be doing what it is that he's doing, coming in as a top draft pick. And, you yes. know, we expected him to ultimately come around and be and become a legitimate star in this league. Um, you obviously, you know, mentioned Wiseman, who's not playing, but still a number two overall pick in the draft and still a guy who you expect to at least either A, keep a part of that young nucleus that currently is playing all, alongside of, you know, their main and experienced nu- nucleus of Steph, Clay, and Dre. Um, or you'll be able to utilize him as an asset to be able to still kind of figure out how to keep that nucleus together. So shout out to him because the Warriors don't look like they'll be a bad team no time soon. Like even after Steph, Clay, and Dre kind of fall off a little bit, like they'll still be good because they've paired Steph, Clay, and Dre with a bunch of young bulls that are playing really good basketball and look like they're going to be the legitimate future of this uh, organization. So got to give a lot of credit to him. I think this series ends in five. I, I just, I mean, Luca obviously is great. I talked about this a little bit on the ball face truth yesterday with Gonzano. Luca is great, but I don't think the Warriors have to come up with some crazy scheme to try and beat this team. The Warriors need to just lean into the fact that they're just a better team. And even if Luca does have a big night, obviously he didn't have too big of a night in game one, but even if he does have a big night going forward, the Warriors, as you mentioned, they have more depth. They have the star power collectively to offset what it is that Luka Doncic does bring it to the table, and they've got the pedigree. I think they just need to lean into their own identity, step into the shots that they're supposed to take and make, and obviously defend the way that they know how to best because this organization has been very good on the defensive side of the ball for some years now. Obviously, the catalyst of that being Draymond Green, who's going to go down as one of the greatest defenders ever. So I don't think the Warriors need to come up with no crazy game plan to try and win this series. They just need to be ultra confident in what it is that they do best and doing the things that they do And that's going to be too much for this Dallas Mavericks team that just isn't deep enough to me to be able to compete with the Warriors, albeit having a superstar like Luka on their team. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing when you have that superstar. I mean, you know, let's just be honest. uh, Luka Doncic just turned into a megastar, basically, as far as on the court. I mean, there's, you know, there's not too many that are better than him in the game right now. I'll put it like that. But when it's just him, and the other team has literally a, a, a superstar of their own and then two to three other stars, 
it's just tough to win. And not only that, the Warriors have a full balanced team. Yeah. You talked you talked about the youth and the um the more mature experienced players. I mean, like you said, Bob Myers has done a great job of drafting and bringing in young guys and the Warriors are going to be around for a while. I'm not saying they're going to win the next, you know, 3 4 championships in a row. Right. But they're going to be they're going to be in the mix to keep making it back to the conference finals at least the next 5 years and after that because once these young players like Kaminga, Moses Moody, uh, you got Jordan Poole, who's already developed very well. And he'll keep, should keep developing. Guys like that. And then James Wiseman, whenever he gets healthy. That's another pretty much starting lineup right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, that's a whole – and then you got your boy GP2 who's out right now. Hopefully, you know, his recovery is going well. Right. Hopefully he'll be back during this playoffs should they advance. But they are – the Warriors are stacked. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. They're stacked. They're way too deep for the Mavericks. Now, Wait the only me. reason I give the Mavericks a chance to get two is because I think Luka is going to be due for one huge game. I don't know when it's going to be. I do think this next game he goes for at least 30, but I think the Warriors probably still end up winning um, the second game at home. But I think he's going to at least go for 30 this next game. But in, in at least one game, I believe his, his, his supporting cast is going to shoot the lights out like they did against Phoenix. I mean, they had like three games where the supporting cast shot the lights out. They're yeah. not going to do that that many games against the Warriors, but I think they'll get at least one game. It'll probably be at home. You know, we all know the um, the others, they play a lot better at home than they do on the road, most more, more likely than not. So, but yeah, it's just, the Warriors are just going to be too much. Like you said, they got the experience, they have the youth, and they're mixing them together. It's not like these young players are just sitting and watching. A few of them are playing and playing valuable minutes, which means a lot because you get to spare the older guys like Clay, Steph, and Draymond a little bit. So I just, you know, I don't know who's left that can beat them, even not even my heat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and again, I you know, I give Dallas credit, Jason Kidd, Luka Doncic. They obviously showed in the last series that even when they're down, they're not out <laughs> because we all thought they were out when they lost those first couple of games to the Phoenix Suns. They were able to turn it around and ultimately win in blowout fashion in game seven. Let's transition. Speaking of that. Pat Bev taking crazy shots at Chris Paul <laughs> on ESPN. He's obviously upped his pro he he's upped his profile tremendously this week in the broadcast space. What has been your thoughts about Patrick Beverly and ultimately what he's doing as a broadcaster right now? Obviously correlating directly to Chris Paul and beyond. Well, first of all, I think Patrick Beverly, once he makes that full transition into broadcast, I think he'll be great. I really do. Yeah. Because, and not just from the, I mean, let's be honest. I think he put on a little extra with the Chris Paul thing because we know, we know their history. They have a little rivalry there. Um, and I, I actually wrote about that earlier in the week um, for Deadspin about their little rivalry. He says it actually goes back to, um, I found a clip where he talked about how he actually goes back to high school for him. So uh, with Chris Paul, so he yeah. goes back quite a ways, but yeah, I think he's going to be a great broadcaster. And honestly, I didn't have a real issue with what he said because I just thought he was, honestly, Pat Bev just be talking. We've heard other players say this about him. Russell Westbrook said it about him years ago about, you know, he don't really be out there defending. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't actually defend because I think he's a pretty good defender. But in MD, I'm going to take it, you know, if NBA players are saying this, then, you know, maybe we take their word for it, whatever. But I just think he's he's living up to his... I guess his character, because he's known for running his mouth on the court. 
So what do you think he's going to do when he actually gets the platform on ESPN yeah. and they just say, go ahead, run your mouth? What do you think he's going to do? Just what he did. Right? So I know Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. I get it. But let's not act like Chris Paul is a saint. Let's, let's not do that. I just... I know the media loves Chris Paul, but he's not a saint. He's done some less than favorable things in his career as far as on the court goes, not off the court, but on the court as well. And we know Patrick Beverly pushed him in the back last year. That crossed the line. I get it. They have a rivalry, but I had no issue with what Patrick Beverly uh, said about Chris Paul because ultimately they got to get back on the court again next year. He's going to see Chris Paul again. And yeah. if Chris Paul lights him up, he got to live with that. So oh, I yeah. And I, I hope Chris Paul going to first take two after he do it. I, I will say I do agree with you that Pat Beverly obviously has a future in broadcasting. And and the main reason, not that I agreed with much of what he did or what he said, because I didn't, quite frankly. Like, I didn't agree with some of the shots he took at Chris Paul. I talked about it on Kanzano's episode where I gave the example yeah. of him basically criticizing Chris Paul for playing well against the playing team, which was the New Orleans Pelicans. But we all know the, the Super Bowl. Uh, celebration that he had after winning a playing game in Minnesota. Like, cut it out, bro. Like, 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 yeah, yeah, like, cut it out, bro. Like, you had the craziest playing victory celebration of all time. It'll never be topped, but you want to discredit Chris Paul for his performance against a playing team. I don't mind somebody discrediting Chris Paul for his performance against a playing team, but it can't be you with the way that you celebrated <laughs> after winning a playing game. So let's start there. I don't agree necessarily with what he's been saying, and I don't necessarily agree with what he's been doing, but what I do feel is that he's in character, but he's not being disingenuous. And because he's not being disingenuous, he will have a career in broadcasting because who we're seeing on the broadcast set is who we've always gotten to see as a competitor on the basketball floor as well. So I can live with it coming from Pat Beverly, even though I may not agree with him because I know this is who he is and this is how he has become ultimately the brand that he's become obviously on the court in the world of basketball. And he's trying to kind of, you know, plant seeds for his future after basketball, and, and I yeah. can 100% live with that. And, and again, like you said, I'm not mad at him for that. And you know, I, I, I want to be clear. I didn't agree with everything he said about Chris Paul. I just, sure. I had no problem. I had no problem with it, is what I'm saying. Right. I just didn't have a problem with it. I didn't think, you know, he may have approached the line, maybe he crossed it, but again, when they put you on TV, they're putting you there to say something. He said something. He said a lot. I think he's he said be too great. much. He said too much naming names, though. We gotta, we gotta get him some. Yeah, yeah, we gotta yeah, get him some yeah. journalism one hundred and one courses. You that, can't be naming true. names yeah, when you sources. talk about your sources. Yeah. You can't do that, yeah. Pat. You can't yeah. do that. He didn't, he didn't have to throw. <laughs> he, and I'm a big Paul George fan. I always have been going back to Fresno Day, whatever. But so he didn't have to throw my boy PG under the bus like no, that. No, no way. He didn't, but, but here's the thing. He'll learn. Not to do that. I'm sure Stephen A. pulled him aside and probably told him, or hopefully somebody did, even if it wasn't Stephen A. I hope somebody pulled him aside and said, dude, you can't be, you know, this is journalism one-on-one, really. Don't reveal your sources. Right. I mean, he just went, he, he just went right there. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do anything. He didn't even try to cover it up. He just went right there. I'm not sure how Paul George felt about that. He probably talked to him after, like, dog, come on now. You ain't got to throw me out there like that. Right. Because here's the thing. Paul George, now, he got to see the Suns next, next season, too. For sure. 
for being sure. in a specific division. So you don't think Chris Paul, and, and, and he didn't just say Chris Paul. He said no one fears the Suns with Chris Paul. So he's really talking about the whole team. Absolutely. He wasn't just talking. He didn't just say Chris Paul. He threw the Suns in there too. They're going to remember that when they see him, when they see uh, Paul George, all these other guys. So I didn't, I didn't agree with that part. But again, they put him on there to say something. He said a lot. Maybe he said a little too much. I had no issue with it because here's the thing. It's going to be dealt with on the court, and that's how we want it to be dealt with. Absolutely. And, and the thing about um, Patrick Beverly, I mean, if it wasn't for his attitude, he probably wouldn't have made it this long in the league. Let's be honest. He had to make it the hard way. He had to go overseas for a while and play. He came back, and that's how he's been able to make his way is playing defense because, he, like, like a lot of people said, he don't have, you know, he's limited offensively, but he's a really good defender and more so because he can get in your head, not necessarily because he just shuts you down physically because he's only about six feet, six one, you know, tall, but he gets in your head. And a lot of times if a guy can get in your head, that's enough to get you off your game. Devon, you know that. Absolutely. That that's all That's all it takes sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, part T, man, I got to uh, get out of here. I got this appearance that I got to make on TRT World News, but I appreciate you so no much for coming on and joining me here on the podcast. Tell them where to find you, social media, where to find your work, your podcast, on and so forth. Let them have it. All right, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram um, most times. That's at Chris Partee, uh, that's C-R-I-S-S-P-A-R-T-E-E. Also find me daily writing a dead spin, a lot of NBA, a lot of NFL you know, some other things, a little boxing every now and then as well, a little bit of baseball sometimes. And then also find my podcast on the Full Press Coverage app, and that's the courtside crossover with Chris Partee. Check me out. Holla at your boy. Run your victory lap while you at it, man. On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs>